This is the Commonwealth City Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Commonwealth is a church in Lexington, Kentucky. For more info, visit our website at commonwealthcitychurch.com and follow us on Instagram at comcitychurch. We hope you enjoy the message. To start us off, I'm going to just start our passage tonight. We're continuing to study through the book of John. And um, we're going to stand in, in honor of reading that. If you guys have your Bibles with you or your phones, I'd encourage you to read along. We're in John chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 16 through 24. It'll also be on the screen. So I'm just going to read it for us real quick. And yeah, I'd invite you to stand as we do that, just in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. Um, and we're going to discuss it a little bit. So, so it says, a little while, this is Jesus speaking, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us, A little while, and you will not see me? And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, A little while, and you will not see me? And again, a little while, you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep. And lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, will be, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. You guys can sit. So just a little context. So we've been going through John. Um, Jesus has been going on a couple chapters, sort of uh, a sermon to his disciples about a number of things. In the wake of what's coming, which is in two chapters, he's going to be arrested um, he's going to go to the cross, and then he's going to praise again, and that's going to be the end of the book of John. But for now, he's leaving his disciples with a few lessons. He's been talking a lot about the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's been most of chapter 16 so far, um, and the preceding chapters, talking about the helper, the comforter, coming in his, in his stead is better for me to leave so that he may come. And in this section, he continues that thought, and he starts it off very interestingly. He starts it off talking about a little while you're not going to see me, and then a little while you will see me. And from the first outset, you, you know that he's talking about um, three days, right? A little while, three days, you're not going to see me, and then you will see me because I'm going to rise again, right? And so he's referring to how they're going to be sorrowful. They're going to, to weep, right, during this period. But then in the end, there will be joy, right? that their pain is going to be like giving birth to a child, but then at the end, they're not even going to remember the pain because of the joy of having him back, right? And he's talking about those three days. He's talking about the cross. He's talking about the resurrection. But he's also talking about something for the rest of us. He's talking about suffering in our lives and sorrow, and he's talking about joy on the other side. He's talking about himself as the prize um, to wait for and to look forward to. And so... The first thing I want to touch on, of all the points that I want to touch on, is that in this conversation about sorrow and suffering, that Jesus is someone who who understands. So you can throw up that one. 
Jesus understands. He's not talking about, you're going to feel sorrow, you're going to feel the pain of childbirth, and I don't know what that's like. He's talking about it in a moment when he is about to go to the cross and he's going to experience the greatest labor pains in all of creation, right? Which is the fullness of God's wrath falling on him, which is the crucifixion, right? The betrayal, the abandonment of his friends, that labor pain for what? For the joy of childbirth, that he would birth into the world the salvation of all of his people. So when he talks about this, he we know that he understands. We know that he is a God who has chosen to suffer so that we can, be, uh, we can be connected with him in that way. And that when he talks about suffering, he knows. And so whenever I talk about suffering, it's always important for me to, to know that Jesus understands. Hebrews 12 is a really potent passage. It talks about endurance. The first verse talks about endurance and during the race of our lives as we suffer. But for what? For the joy set before us. And it says, as an example... We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, or the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Right? He endured the suffering, the cross, right? And what was it for? It was for what he saw on the other side, the right hand of the Father. He saw the joy. And so we look to him as an example. So I want to take a moment around the tables just to talk about a simple question. And we talk about Jesus understanding us in our suffering and in our sorrow. Have you ever struggled, or you can talk about as time, have you ever struggled to believe that he understood your sorrow? Maybe talk a little bit about how. We're going to go real deep. You guys are going to get some good family dynamic going deep, so don't be afraid to talk. But have you ever struggled to believe that Jesus understood your sorrow? All right, real quick, we're going to stay at the tables. Just another question to follow up. Um, in talking about sorrow and suffering, we can keep this one brief. Just in bullet points and short little adjectives, how would you say that, um, or what are some words that you would say you could use to describe the reaction to great sorrows in life? And then the same, what are some words you could use to describe moments of joy in your life? And again, this can just be real quick. You know, as I ask myself this question, I kind of noticed a couple things. Um, maybe this is just me, because maybe I'm just more of a melancholy person. I don't know. But I notice that I tend to describe the difficult things in life like in more vividness than the things that are like full of joy, like the great things. Like I can remember the whole story of some terrible thing that happened to me a lot better than I can immediately conjure up like, wow, look at this great blessing that happened and everything was great. I can do both, but to be honest, it's often more like a colorful painted picture when I'm thinking of the bad things, right? And I started to think about this and I started to realize when we look at the word, we don't really need God's help to sin or to suffer. I mean, there's all kinds of suffering, right? There's suffering that's chaotic and doesn't make any sense. It seems meaningless, right? There's suffering that other people cause us. There's suffering that we cause ourselves by our sinfulness and our rebelliousness, right? We don't really need God's help to be rebellious and to, you know, suffer. But we do need God as the giver of all blessings and of joy to, to give it to us, right? And so when we think about this, if you can... Go to the next slide. Maybe two slides from now. There we go. One more. So what I noticed is that, like, we could write a really great story about our sorrow, but God can write a better story about your joy. We talked about in that Hebrews passage, Jesus is the author of our faith, right, and the perfecter of it. He's the one that writes the joy into our lives, right? He's the one that has what I call a better offer, 
And in this passage, he offers something better. He offers the joy that comes out of that sorrow. Um, so let's go to the next slide there. Here's the thing. I noticed two things. He, he gives us joy right now. He talks about this labor pains and these, this bearing the child, and then there will be joy on the other side. But when we think about our lives, right, he has given us the assurance that he has joy for us sufficiently right now in the midst of life, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of losing people, whatever it is. Um, and he also provides us with the joy on the other side. He provides us with the joy of heaven. If we're in him, right? That we have life after death. But in the joy right now, I'm just going to read these. Look at what the, the authors say in the scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's like five comforts in that passage. So he gives it to us now, right? He comforts us right now. Just a few chapters ago, Jesus says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give it to you as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. He offers this to us right now. And he just finished talking about the Holy Spirit. He's left it behind. He's left the Spirit behind. And the Spirit, he, he comforts us in the midst of suffering right now. But that's not the only thing that this passage talks about. It also talks about, it says sufficient joy right now, but next slide. It talks about the ultimate joy in the end. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Um... So this morning, Kurt talked about his baby. I don't have a baby. But my sister has a baby, and that's really new. And I have a niece now, and that was something that happened a month ago, and we went up to Chicago to visit her before Christmas in anticipation, because she wasn't born yet. But we wanted to be there. We knew she would be born soon, right? And here we were nine months later, and uh, that whole time, my sister and brother-in-law had been in anticipation and experiencing in the midst of that anticipation great joy, right? Excitement for this girl who was going to come into their lives, right? And then what happened, right? She went into labor and she gave birth and there was great pains and, uh, you know, a lot of uncomfortable stuff that happened. And then a baby came out and there was a baby. And now... What's the difference, right? The difference is that now they have joy, but the difference is that that joy is now completely fulfilled. That anticipation they had during the pregnancy, she's in here, and we don't see her yet, but we're, you know, getting really excited to meet her, right? And there's sufficient joy then. But then on the other side of the pain, right, then you have the fullness, right? We should know fully, face to face. I mean, that's what we're waiting for. That's what we're waiting for on the other side, right? Now... We're here, but then we will be there in the fullness and the completion of all of that joy, right? Um, I'm going to move on to another question that I think I want, if you guys could just take a moment to just think to yourselves. You're welcome to discuss it, but I think I would like to just discuss it myself. What, like objects or outcomes or people or solutions or situations would solve your suffering, your situation right now, this place that we're in, right? Um, I often think, 
man, it'd be some like, just a little bit more money, right? Or like a healing, you know? Or a restored relationship. Um, so take a minute. I just want you guys to just ponder that for a second. What would be those solutions that would fix all this suffering? All right, so hold on to those thoughts. Here's a similar question. It's the next one. So then what objects, outcomes, people, whatnot, will make the end? In the end, I mean when you die, <laughs> right? And if you're a believer in Christ and you go to heaven, right, this idea of heaven that we have, what would make it filled with joy? Or what are you looking forward to it, that it will be filled with joy? When I thought about this question, I kind of, well, thinking about myself as like a kid also, um, the first question being, what's the solution to my suffering right now? It's like, when I was a kid, I used to like, actually, I got a hole in my jeans right now. I used to rip a lot of holes in my jeans because I'd like fall and like get skin knees and stuff. And then, you know, it'd be really painful and stuff and I'd run back into the house. But here's the thing, like what was I really asking for? Like I was in pain, I was in suffering, you know, like an extreme amount of suffering for a little kid, which is scraping your knee. But like the solution to my pain was a bandage and like some cold water and like, you know, like a warm hug. Um, but really, what was the solution? What was the thing I was really wanting? It was my mom, <laughs> you know? It was a person, right? Because if I had the bandage and I had the water, I would still be crying, right? And in this world, it's like we grow up and we forget that that remains to be true, is that, well, we can go to the next slide. I mean, Jesus himself is the better offer, right? It's like you guys said. This passage points out that the now joy and the later joy are all wrapped up in not a thing, not a set of things, right? They're wrapped up in a person. The answer to all of your prayers and all of your wantings, they're all a person, right? And the person of Jesus. I mean, in this passage, he says, then you're going to have sorrow, and then you're going to have joy after that. It's going to be a little while. Well, what, what is he really saying? He's saying those are tied to the fact that you're not going to be with me for a bit, and then you will. The joy comes when it's me. The joy comes when I come back, right? And that's the truth for us, right? And we have access to him right now, right, in the Holy Spirit. We have access to him at the end when we're with him face to face, right? Yeah. God himself is the object of our joy and the thing to most hope for on the other side. He's the giver of joy in all circumstances through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can hit the next slide. I'm just going to read some of these passages as well. Here's what Jesus says. Actually, this is... This is at the end, too, when he's leaving after he's resurrected in the book of Matthew. What does he say? He says he's going to be with us always to the end of the age. You know, just a few uh, verses after this, what we just read, he says, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That solution is found in Christ, in the person of Christ. Here's the Amplified Bible here, but... But more than that, I count everything as lost compared to the priceless, privileged, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have lost everything, and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ. Paul is like in the middle of suffering, and what does he want? He wants the person of Christ, right? He'd rather have his, his Jesus than the solution to his ailments. And so that's what... He is right now. His offer is himself right now. But it's not just about now. It's about the future, too. You can go to the next slide. 
He's also our joy awaiting us in the end. On the other side, right? What is eternal life? Well, we have a definition for it. Next chapter of John. This is eternal life. That they what? They know you. The one true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Paul says, for to me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is better. That's the solution. That's the entirety of his message, right? I'm going to go into the ground for three days, and then you'll have joy, because then they won't chase after you, and there will be a lot of money in it, and you're going to feel a lot better. No, 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 that's not what he says. He says, because I'll be back, and I will be there, and you will see me again, and that's where the joy comes from. And that's, that's eternal life, right? When we are resurrected and we experience that full and complete relationship with Jesus, um, no longer veiled, it's like, it's like you guys said, there are streets of gold, there's going to be no more sickness, but all of it is nothing compared to just having him, Right? That's what, the, that's what the, the end game is. That's what the whole thing is about. And so, to sort of close, let's think about this for a little bit. The end of this passage, Jesus says, okay, someday you're going to be there and you're going to be done with the labor and you're going to have given, you know, like birth and then you're going to forget the, the suffering and you're not going to have to ask for anything anymore. Why? Because you'll have me, Right? But in the meantime, what does he say? He says, you can ask for anything in my name, right? And the Father's going to give it to you, right? In his name. That's the joy that's found in the person of Jesus, right? As we follow him, trust in him, he is the one we ask for. But here's the question. Like, so if we can ask in his name, what do we ask for? You can hit it. There we go. Um, those things we talked about, right, the remedies for suffering, right, in this world, like the things that would fix our broken bodies and our broken relationships, right? Those are good things to pray for. Those are important things to pray for. We're called to pray for those, right? And we're called to hope for that day, right, when we will walk on the streets of gold and we will experience no more suffering and we're to long for that, right? The Bible tells us that. But here's the thing. All of it is found first in the idea that we pray first for more of him, the giver of those things. And we hope for the day when we'll see him again. That's the crux of all of it, because none of the rest matters without him. And I think that's what he was trying to tell the disciples in this moment, right? He just said, your biggest problem is that you're not going to see me for a bit, but don't worry. I'll be back. And the last thing I'd say to pray for, this is my suggestion, is that if Jesus is our fullness of joy now and in the end, then we got to pray for those who don't know that they have a better offer. That better offer that he offers, right, it's himself. He gives it freely to all, right? We have access to that in Christ if we are in Christ. But if you aren't in Christ, right, then you don't have that. You have full access to all the suffering and sorrow that comes with this world. That's for free also, right? But... You don't know that Jesus is the solution now and he's the solution after you die. So for those of us who are in Christ, rest in the assurance that we have that, ask for more, but pray for those who don't and let that motivate your life as you recognize that he is not everyone's savior. Right? 
but we have that message. So that's where I'm basically going to end, and I'm going to say if we can take some time just around our tables to pray over these things, I'll leave them up, to pray for these remedies now, for the suffering in the world, to pray for more of Jesus primarily, and then in that to pray for those who don't know him. Um, so I'll invite... Kurt, are you doing communion stuff? I'll invite him back up. And just take a couple minutes, pray that, and then we're going to take communion. Um, the body and the blood, the representation of the labor pains that Christ endured for us, right? That day in which he groaned in the greatest pain that was ever felt, right? The wrath of God put on him. This is what we remember with communion, right? But not just for the sake of the suffering, but for the joy that he was looking forward to and that we now get to experience, that he birthed in the world new life, accessible to all of us. So pray for these things. Come and take communion. And just encourage you to be pondering and um, getting that time with the Lord.